Hi friends, welcome to another episode of leadership in wilsonlyling.com. I'm so glad you're joining us. I trust you'll keep listening in and watching and learning from all these different podcasts. Today, I'm going to talk about how to motivate others. A crucial role of leadership is the ability to motivate others. A highly motivated team provides a strong foundation upon which to accomplish great things. In my previous podcast on understanding motivations, I gave a conceptual framework to help us understand how motivations arise. And so in this podcast, I will focus on the more practical aspects to provide insights for the leader on how to motivate and to sustain the motivation levels in others. So what can motivate others? Well, firstly, we need to learn about caring for others. The Bible says in John chapter 13, verse 1, it was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. So there's something powerful about the way Jesus loved his disciples. He cared for them. And in the same way, we must genuinely care about our people. We should watch over our people and care for them as good shepherds like Jesus himself. So they must know we care, no matter how busy we are. As part of this, it's it's so helpful and important for us to create a, a loving and a supportive community, whether this be in the team itself or perhaps in the church or organizational culture. That in itself is biblical. And besides that, it also meets a very important need that we define as love and belonging according to the Maslow hierarchy of needs in my previous podcast. Besides all this, when people know that we care for them, they will trust our leadership more deeply because they know that every decision that we make considers their situation. They need the assurance that we we will stick with them through thick and thin. The Bible also says in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So part of caring for them is really just being aware of their basic and important needs are being met, for example. For it's going to be hard for them to remain motivated if they are suffering hardship. They are maybe failing to have some of the basic life necessities, or maybe they lack safety and security in their situation. So if we are able to help, if we are able to support them through some of these challenges, it will make it easier for them to regain motivation in their lives. Uh, there, are, there are some that may be impeded by past hurts, uh, low self-esteem or insecurity and so forth. So if we can provide some kind of suitable help 
to help them deal with these issues. It will become easier eventually to motivate them to greater things once they've learned to address some of those areas to a reasonable degree. So for that reason in our church, we, we try to provide an internal counseling system within our church to help people deal with many of the common emotional and psychological issues. And when it comes to much more complex issues, we uh, redirect them, we advise that they go and get more professional counseling for their situation. The important thing is this, we should not be ignorant of how significant these issues can demotivate people. The second thing we can do is through nurturing hope. You see, often people lose motivation or, or they just give up prematurely because they've lost hope in themselves or in the situation they are in. So it is crucial that as leaders, we, we need to firstly see the true worth and capacity of a person. So that is, this helps us not to give up on them because we genuinely see the possibilities, especially in Christ. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When we look at the example of Jesus, Jesus did not give up on his disciples. He did not give up on Peter, despite knowing about his denials. Even Judas, he still called him friend. So we should genuinely express confidence in the person and demonstrate it. Perhaps we may not be able to have confidence in every area of their lives, but surely we can encourage them in the areas where we can see the possibilities in their hearts, in their life. You know, one thing I've discovered is this. When people can gain hope, even in one significant area in their lives, if they can gain that confidence, it can begin to spread to other areas of their lives. And so being able to give timely encouragement and appreciation can make a huge difference. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. How true that is. I remember one of my mentees, he went through a really difficult phase of his life, but through it all, I stood by him. I was there to listen to him, to give advice, praying and supporting with him. I, I sought to lift him up through those challenging moments until finally the, the situation shifted and he came out stronger and more motivated as he had experienced how God sustained him through that period. So being there, nurturing hope, it's so important for so many people. Some people take a, a very old style approach where they overly emphasize correction and rebuke, thinking that it will motivate people through shame. Now, there is a place for rebuke and correction, but it needs to be couched within an, an overall focus on encouragement in order that we may foster hope in people's hearts. And really, it works much better also because of today's culture. On the other hand, we must understand there's a difference. A difference between uh, encouraging 
and fostering a false sense of ego or false sense of reality of a person's ability. We, we do not want to overinflate an unreal understanding of oneself. And this nurturing hope, when we do it properly, it really meets a need that was defined by Maslow at the level of esteem. Now let me go to the third aspect. The third aspect is nurturing their mindset. In our previous podcast on understanding motivation, uh, I shared about the importance of our mindset, our mindset that's composed of our values, our perspectives, and convictions. And I did elaborate on various aspects of each element and, and how that can be cultivated in order that we may be motivated in a, in a better way by a more biblical and a godly mindset. Now, on the practical front, how can we nurture this? Well, firstly, can I suggest this? I want to suggest that it's really important and helpful for us to understand where our people's mindset are at so that we know where we need to start from. This may really require us to listen, listen that we may understand what they're saying or expressing so that we may try to grasp where their mindset is at and why it is there. We should take note of some of the goals, the aspirations that they have spoken about. We could ask some uh, probing questions that can further unearth where their mindset really is at. And the ability to observe astutely and, and discern their actions and lifestyle will further inform our understanding. Obviously, we should be praying, praying for greater discernment, uh, insight from God even to their mindset. Now, we can help influence their mindset through teaching, through impartation, we should seek to build up their convictions and shape their perspectives according to God's Word. We can intentionally and strategically share relevant parts of God's Word to help them in that area. We could also encourage them to go and read appropriate parts of God's Word to build themselves up in their mindsets in the right way. Now, we can inspire them towards a more godly, a more biblical lifestyle through an inspirational communication of vision and aspiration, we can help birth something greater in their hearts. Uh, we could paint for them a picture of what could be if they, could all, if they would determine to aspire towards it. So that is part of a leader's role. And I explained this also in another podcast where I spoke about the inspirational leader's vision. And as part of making this whole thing more tangible, concretizing this thing, is to help them and challenge them to set SMART goals, the S-M-A-R-T type of goals. Because goals can also serve as motivational reminders for themselves. So all of these aspects do help together. We also can be good role models by demonstrating by our life the genuineness of living out our own mindset. You see, the pattern that we set can be of significant impact for what we do often speaks louder than what we say. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul said, follow my example 
as I follow the example of Christ. So the example we set can be so helpful for people, even in motivating them. One wonderful example is Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a missionary who lived out his mission wholeheartedly. He was just totally all out as a missionary into China. Now, he demonstrated by his personal example how he relied upon God rather than on some supporting missionary organization and his utter dedication to creatively adapting the missionary approach and contextualizing the gospel message was a tremendous inspiration to thousands of missionaries that came after him. So he lived out his mindset, wow, and he motivated many others to follow a similar mindset. His example, his life made all the difference. So can you as a leader. Now, let me go on. The fourth way that we can help uh, nurture a greater uh, motivation is when we provide the support for the greater motivation. You see, we have to realize most people are not adequately self-motivated or they require more support to reach a higher level or more sustainable level of motivation. The reason for this is simply this. The further we go beyond our comfort zone, the greater support we are likely to need. So an important way to do this is to help equip the person to do the job. Consider this. When Moses was afraid to accept the job of leading the Israelites out of Egypt and as well to confront Pharaoh, what did God do? One of the things God did was to provide him the rod uh, or rather a sign where the rod turned into a serpent. This helped motivate Moses that he could approach Pharaoh. You see, people feel motiv more motivated to do a job if they feel more adequate to carry it out in the first place. They need to be equipped. Now, this doesn't always mean that we have to train them in all the theory and practice before we send them out. Often it is better to just give them some basic and reasonable training, then toss them out so that they may have a go. When they are stretched in, in the task, then they will begin to realize they need more training and that will motivate them to learn and to grow. So in our church, we motivate many of our young people to participate in short-term missions. Uh, during these trips, they are encouraged to rely upon God and reach out in ways they've never done before. And these challenges, it stretches them in many ways. Yet it also opens up their eyes to what God can do if they will step out in faith. And as a result of this, many become more motivated to learn and to grow in their service unto God. So another thing that can help in all this is accountability. You see, many people require accountability because it's challenging to maintain a high consistent level of motivation. Think about this. This is why most high-performing athletes, they always require a coach. The coach will inspire, the coach will guide and hold the athlete accountable. And in the same way, many require someone 
to hold them accountable, to inspect their progress even. And, and that can help motivate them when it's done in the appropriate manner. You see, people do not always do what we expect, but usually what we inspect. Inspection can help motivate people. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23 to 24, Do you know the condition of your flocks? Give careful attention to your herds. You know, the Bible told the shepherds you need to inspect. Inspection can help. So these are just some of the areas that as a leader, if we understand, we can help nurture and facilitate greater motivation and more sustainable motivation amongst our people. Now, let me briefly just look into some of the areas that can demotivate us. While it has been important to understand how to motivate others, can I say it is so important for us to understand what can deflate their enthusiasm and motivation. So here very briefly, I've listed some key areas that as leaders, we should be aware of. Firstly, when there is lack or problems in people's lives. Again, if you understand the Maslow hierarchy of needs, it has identified that lack or deficiency in the areas of physiological, safety, love and belonging, as well as esteem, it can shift their motivational focus to those areas when needs arise. So when there are problems, there are crises uh, in any of these areas it, or, or that lack, it can demotivate them from the higher aspirations. The second thing we need to understand is about exhaustion. You see, exhaustion can occur when a person is stretched beyond their capacity or endurance for too long. It is common for even motivated individuals that they just take on too many projects and they begin to unwisely run themselves down physically until they reach exhaustion. The prophet Elijah, for example, he experienced this after his height of combating against the prophets of Baal, leading to his depression. Mental and emotional exhaustion can occur when there's an increased stress, anxieties, uncertainties, conflicts, and so on. Even spiritual exhaustion can occur due to inadequate refreshing and drawing strength from the Lord. The third area we can uh, be aware of is simply the lack of success or experiencing failure. You see, when, when people have made significant investment of their time and energy and resources into projects, but they fail to see any significant progress or when failure actually occurs, discouragement, disillusionment can creep in. And sometimes you can have enthusiastic leaders that move from one unsuccessful project to another because they're highly motivated. But the same are unlikely for their followers. People usually, they need to experience reasonable success. Otherwise, they can become demotivated. Let me mention a fourth area. A fourth area is personal weaknesses. You see, often personal weaknesses can, can place significant constraint on how motivated a person can become. For example, those who struggle with self-doubt and insecurities will always struggle with lack of self-confidence and motivation. 
if they lack personal victory in their personal lives. Their personal demons will undermine their, their motivation to sustain any form of sustained victory in other aspects of their lives. Some may possess a rather lethargic or laid-back personality, which can limit their ability to rise up to higher motivations. Even those who are maybe weighed down with doubts and a disbelief in God will struggle to trust God and His promises, and so they're going to be hindered in any godly aspirations. Now, the fifth could be simply discouraging behavior by others. When even leaders, if we do not walk the talk and we let the people down, eventually it will discourage the followers. When leaders lack conviction in what they tell others to aspire towards, it will also undermine their message. So as leaders, it's so important that we, that we understand some of these demotivating factors because it can impact upon our people significantly. Let me just conclude. A motivational leader understands the variety of ingredients necessary to motivate their followers, as well as some of the elements that can demotivate their team. So a wise leader will take into consideration all these factors to lead their team to a higher level of motivation. May you rise up to be an effective motivational leader. God bless you. We trust you've been blessed by the word today. Do visit www.wilsonlyling.com for more messages and teachings. For the latest news and updates, follow Facebook and Instagram, wilson.lyling.